0: the course of a couple months everybody knew who everybody was and they were asking questions about their weekends and just breaking down those walls it really doesn't need to be that separation from office versus uh, technicians that way
1: Hello everybody, Uh, this is Mike Payton with the EOS Leader podcast and today I'm excited to introduce Zach Stewart, the visionary and vice president at Wilcox Doors just outside Toronto. Zach is a second generation leader in a certified Aboriginal owned business his father started 30 years ago. The Wilcox team truly celebrates multiculturalism, collaboration and engagement. And I'm really looking forward to having Zach share with us exactly how they bring those things to life in their organization. He's a huge fan of the Toronto Raptors, enjoys traveling throughout the world, continuous education, and finding ways to give back to the community. Please welcome Zach to the EOS Leader Podcast. Zach, thanks so much for being here. Um, Just when you're introducing yourself to somebody new that you meet, how do you introduce you and what you do?
0: So it's, a, it's an interesting question because it's different almost every time, depending on who I meet. One, our industry is very unique and we service overhead doors and loading docks, which is interesting to some people, not interesting to other people. So typically I would introduce myself as the vice president of the organization. I focus in on the, the culture, the big relationships, all those types of things, really aligning the employees with our vision and everything like that. And that's kind of my role.
1: Yeah, give, it, give me a little sense of the company, the size, scope, where your geographic footprint is, et cetera.
0: Yeah, um, again, that, that's changing a little bit. We were about a 70-person company just before COVID. We downsized a little bit there, and now we're growing back to about that size. Okay. We recently launched, uh, last year, uh, a national service. So, our footprint initially was just in the Toronto geographic area, but now we offer services throughout Canada, every mm-hmm. province, and every territory. And we're actually expanding with some of that national service for our customers in the United States as well.
1: Well, That's exciting. I want to talk about leadership in general. Can you take me back to the first moment in your life when you think about leadership where you recognize someone was leading? Maybe a family member, a teacher, a historical figure. What was the first recollection of leadership you had?
0: So when I was a kid, almost every dinner was about the business. Mm -hmm. Uh, My father started it. My mother It's funny, before we had even learned about these terms, it was a visionary integrator type of relationship. So it was just always around me. And I always saw my father as as that person thinking about the big picture, thinking about these other companies that he was was looking to acquire, uh, the people issues, all those types of things. And I really, really saw my father as a child, as a really revolutionary leader in, in his own right in our industry, coming up with these different ideas that nobody had ever heard of. And being around that all the time really inspired me to kind of go down that path a little bit more. I picked up a little bit of the other side with my mom. I'm being very analytical, and she's that type of leader, but I'm much more on the other side. and, and And seeing that every day really, really sunk in.
1: Yeah, and in that experience, because I had a similar upbringing, did you have to teach yourself how to draw boundaries between family and business because that's the way you grew up?
0: Absolutely. We had, uh, to this day, if we have family dinners, not allowed to talk about business. It's always been something that we've had to put that line in the sand and eight to five to talk about it all, all we want. After right. five, we try to leave that stuff.
1: Yeah. If you're not careful, it consumes everything and there's some dark side to that as well. So um, absolutely. as you think about your mom and your dad as leaders, give me the things you hope to emulate in what you saw in them.
0: It was my father. He just had the ability to capture a room with his ideas, his visions, uh, where he wanted to go. Uh, He was just a great leader that people wanted to follow. Um, And when he started his company, there really wasn't that in the industry. He gained a quick following. uh, We're such a niche market that Mm -hmm. there's uh, lots of people that were going to different companies that once they saw what he was doing and the way he led, they wanted to come here and he attracted them to the company that way. Mm. That's something I'm trying to emulate now uh, in a different way in my own brain.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. And how about your mom? That the you like a lot of visionaries. That when you talked about inheriting some of her analytical capabilities, you you, you weren't particularly enthusiastic
0: about that. Yeah. So. Um, I, she instilled a really good financial background with me. Yeah. You know, my father's he's good with finances, but she's definitely the, the mm-hmm. brains of all that. Uh, so I learned a lot from there, and a lot of my decision making comes with financial backing and understanding the true financial implications to what I'm trying to do, which yeah. I think strengthens me as a visionary. That I'm not just swinging for the for the fences every single time. I'm coming up with good, sound ideas that make sense and are
1: affordable. Yeah, and and we talk a lot about um, rooting your vision in a firm foundation of execution and accountability, and your comfort with a balance sheet and an income statement allows you to feel good about your ability to execute on, on the big ideas that you come up with, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Is there anything about either of your parents' leadership styles that you observed as a young man that, that maybe you want to be different in some meaningful way?
0: I would say when I was a kid, um, we have, we had, were a blue collar environment. There was the office staff and there was the technicians and I think it was more to protect me than anything, um, but they really kept me away from the technicians. Um, I never went on the road. Uh, I never learned on that side of it. I was always in the office side, and I don't think there was any malice towards that, but I am now completely ingrained with my technicians. I talk mm-hmm. with them every day. They have they have more ideas about how to fix a business than I'll ever have. They, mm-hmm. they see the customers every single day, and that's something I'm trying to ingrain in the organization. I've broken down the walls in here. There used to be a wall at the back where technicians weren't allowed to come in the office for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't know what the the reasoning was behind it, but I got everybody in one room. And I had so the technicians had to come in every day and they'd meet everybody. And within the course of a couple months, everybody knew who everybody was. and They were asking questions about their weekends and just breaking down those walls. It really doesn't need to be that separation from office versus uh, technicians that way. Uh,
1: That's awesome. Have you ever worked for a leader? inside or outside the family business, or been subjected to leadership that was difficult for you, created challenges for you, your idea of not leading well?
0: Yeah. So a couple of years ago, we had a general manager that I reported into. And just before that, we had another general manager that was very much interested in myself and developing me and trying to scale the business. He taught me so many different types of things. And then this general manager had come in and I just, his style didn't suit our organization very well. It was very much his way or the highway. Didn't listen to people, made decisions on a whim and spent so much money. And he ultimately left the organization. And then we did our financial reviews and he drove us into the ground Mm. and nobody, we trusted too much. I I think in that sense, and me and him, we just, we didn't get along very well. There Mm. was always a, back and forth, a little bit of a fight. And I know it can probably be difficult to be a general manager and the owner's son is reporting into you and that's a hard thing to deal with. I just, you know, I've had that situation all the time in my life and I didn't think he handled that the best
1: way. If you had to pinpoint the root cause of that, what was it about him as a leader that created this gulf between you?
0: There was just uh, an air of entitlement, I I would say, uh, kind of, he made it very well known that he was a general manager, and he was better than everybody else in the organization, with the exception of the group that he really liked. And Uh. I think that that drove up a lot of the walls. The technicians did not like anything at that time that the office was doing, because we weren't listening to the people, we were making ideas and making changes that one person thought was the only direction we could go in, rather than really talking to our teams and learning what they were going through or getting feedback when we made a decision to see how they felt. And so I ultimately have always been the person that a lot of people would come to and I'd be hearing all this stuff and I'd be bringing it in and just the, the yeah. attitude of, well, that doesn't really matter to me. It was just not, I don't know. It didn't, didn't yeah. sink in well.
1: So, so it needed to be his idea to be a good idea, dismissive of others, played favorites. Yeah. A little ego driven. Yeah. Okay. Those are very common qualities I hear uh, shouted out in answer to that question on this podcast. So that's great to hear. How do you think the people in the organization who get to watch you lead every day would describe your best qualities?
0: I'm definitely an innovator. And I think everybody in here, maybe I innovate too fast sometimes, (laughs) but that's uh, definitely a quality they they see in me. I'm a listener. I, I just, you know, I don't, especially with the EOS platform now, it's changed a bit, but I, I listen to them all the time. Whether they report to me or not, it's an open-door policy. Uh, come and talk to me because, again, if I'm responsible for the culture of the organization, I need to know when they're not feeling like they're being heard or, or managers dealing with them in a way that should be dealt with that way. So I consistently have people coming to me to talk to me about new ideas, their innovations. Uh, I really try to empower my team to take on their roles the way I've put it with some of the growing leaders in our organization is I've showed them the road that I would go down, but I don't show them how to take it. Like they need to learn how they're going to go down that road on their own. But I kind of say, you know, if you're, if you're struggling here, this is when I had done this, I had looked at these avenues. So take a look at that, see how that takes you there. And most of the time that feedback was back with like, wow, that was the key. My manager's so happy with what I'm doing right. now. And you know, without stepping on the manager's toes too much.
1: Right. Oh, that's great. Is there anything you think people see in you you wish you could change?
0: Something I'm still growing with is just dealing with that uh, confrontation sometimes. Uh, That's not my strong suit and uh, that's my integrator strong suit. So we have a good yin and yang with that. But it's still something I got to grow on a little bit. You know, terminations, those typical conversations are always difficult. Mm -hmm. I have them. I just think that that's still a skill set that I need to develop more.
1: Interesting. Tell us about the most difficult challenge. Maybe it's a difficult conversation you had to have with somebody or something else that happened in the business. What'd you do about it? How'd it work out? What did you learn?
0: Um, so at the beginning of this pandemic is probably the the biggest challenge that we had. Uh, we were about a month into our EOS implementation. So we had hmm. a whole new leadership team, not very much management experience. And then this thing hit us like a ton of bricks and uh, we had to lay off 40% of our staff at the mm-hmm. beginning of this just because our revenue had taken the biggest plunge it's ever taken. And it was a very tough trying time. And as we called it the pressure cooker management lesson on how to deal with this stuff, where all basically it was three of us that sat in a room. We called every single employee that explained what we were doing. We stayed in communication with them every two weeks on where the company was at, when we'd be able to bring them back. And it was a very difficult time because of the uncertainty and not knowing where the organization was going to be, not knowing when that finish line could be, when they could be coming back to work. But from all the feedback we got from our employees, we did everything great because a lot of people just sent blanket emails saying, hey, you're laid off. My wife got that. And when my wife got that, I knew the feeling that she had felt receiving something like that. Mm. So we wanted to make sure everything was done by a phone call. And they heard from a leadership member's voice that- you know, we care about them because we genuinely did, and the only reason why this was happening is because we we had to do it, and as soon as we were in a financial position to bring them back, we would be bringing them back. And just by staying in communication week over week, I think we gained a lot of trust with them. Uh, they knew that we had their best interests at stake, and ultimately, we needed a company for everybody to come back to, and they, they understood the sacrifices that we had to make during that time.
1: Yeah, what a great story. I presume you're back, I think earlier in the conversation, you said you're back to just about full strength today. And ha- are there any lingering after effects, I guess, is the question I want to ask.
0: Um, just the, you know, if somebody's sick, they have to still go through that that uh, COVID testing protocol and everything. But we're pretty much back to full services, nice. full installs, uh, just a different way of doing it now. A lot more temperature checks when you get to the sites and different things like that following protocols. But as a business, we're, we're pretty much back. We're actually more profitable now than we were before, which was interesting.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I'm just going to make a note of something for the listener in that what I heard through that whole story is just real empathy, your ability to see what your wife went through and the way her company handled this and understand that you didn't want to make that happen for your employees and incorporate that into the way you make decisions and execute on those decisions. It's it's such a simple concept and it's often when you're busy and scared, it's very hard to follow through on those simple concepts. So I applaud you for that. Um, okay. Are your, are your parents still involved in the day to day of the business or mostly out completely?
0: It's a bit of both. They're, I would say they're probably in one day a week.
1: Got it. Um
0: they're kind of launched another division in within the business. So it's hmm. a, it's in its infancy so it doesn't require too much time. But they were going to build it and then hand it over once it was at a point. And that was that national service I was talking Got about. It. So they're, they're kind of one day a week working on that. They have their own team involved with that. But in everything else, they're not really involved in the day-to-day anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Tell me about your relationship with the integrator. Is it another family member or uh, somebody not affiliated with the family? What How's that work?
0: Uh, no. So uh, my integrator, he uh, came from the industry. We hired him on. Funny story, he's got a full operations background and we we interviewed him and I just knew I needed him on our team. And this was probably three or four years ago. Mm. We didn't have a role because we had an operations manager, we were stuck, uh, but we needed a sales manager. And I thought, well, the sales department struggling with organizations, struggling with structure. There could be a fit there. Uh, So we hired him on and he just, he learned sales pretty quick. He jumped in and that sales team started to produce really well. And once we got to coming up with the EOS structure... He, with the operations background, it just made so much sense. And uh, he compliments me and everything that I'm not strong in, he's strong in and everything that I'm strong in, he's not as strong in. So it's a really good yin and yang. And uh, yeah, he's a very, very reliable guy.
1: Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I've found that people who have multifunctional leadership experience, it it prepares them well for the integrator role because they're able to look at every issue from the angle of multiple perspectives, not just their ops perspective or finance perspective. So great to hear. Let's talk about your real commitment to living and breathing multiculturalism. Let's start by you sharing with us why that's so important to you as a leader.
0: Um, So my background has always been where I'm, I'm an indigenous Canadian. We're from Old Crow, Yukon, which is about 300 kilometers north of the Arctic Circle. It's, very, it's a little flying community uh, that we didn't really know very much about when I was a kid. So my father was adopted. And in the business, particularly in our industry during the 90s, uh, diversity wasn't really a popular thing. And my father was a little nervous to talk about it and to promote it and to do anything like that until probably the, the early 2000s and, and coming into now. And that's a big part of what I brought to this team is I thought it's a strength, it's not a weakness, and it's something that we need to celebrate. So we had joined a few organizations. So there's uh, the Canadian Council for Aboriginal Business and the Canadian Aboriginal Minority Supplier Council that focuses really on that with, uh, with major, major uh, customers across the country. But through that, we learned about so many more initiatives. So what was really important to me, especially during the last year, was joining an initiative called the Black North Initiative, and what that is is just improving the uh, the amount of jobs and the amount of jobs on leadership councils for diverse people, um, and that it just translates well to our organization. We've we've always been diverse. We've always had minimum thirty five percent of the organization being diverse. The leadership team is sixty percent uh, diverse, so it's always been something that we that we focused on, and I tried to think of ways to celebrate that with our team a little bit more. So I came up with Culture Day. I I learned about it in a book I was reading, and I kind of put some tweaks to it that would match what we wanted to kind of achieve here. And what we did with Culture Day was, like, we just wanted to make it really fun, get people uh, enjoying our other team's cultures to learn more about their team members. So we had the Caribbean Culture Day, for example, and it was bring in some presentations, teach us about what it was like to grow up as a kid with that cultural background, bring in foods, bring in uh, decorations, Uh, There was a salsa lesson. There was a hot sauce competition. All these different types of things that people from completely different backgrounds learned so much. And they learned about their team members. And at the end of it, the amount of feedback that you got was like, that was one of the best days of work I've ever had. Mm. And just sharing that, you you just gain so much more with that person that you're working with. So much more respect, I think, for your team members when you're learning a lot about their backgrounds. And it just, for, for our staff, I think it just translated really well to... Outside, we're really promoting that we're diverse. And inside, we're celebrating that diversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really, really important.
1: Well, you're you're showing up as consistent people everywhere and people who care about folks that aren't exactly like them. And those are really valuable assets inside and outside an organization. My uh, hope is you're comfortable with us sharing your video in our show notes because watching your employees talk genuinely about how fun it is to come to work and how much they care about the company and one another is really inspirational at a time when, quite frankly, a lot of people are in pain around this issue and other issues we all face right now. And uh, I know it it put a little spring in my step, and I hope it will do that for other listeners as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You can use the video for sure.
1: Terrific. Thank you. Is there anything you wish you or another leader in your organization had done differently over the last umpteen years any regrets
0: so one thing i'm like we're implementing now that i wish we had forever skilled labor is a shortage across Mm -hmm. everywhere and especially in our industry it's an unregistered trade so there's not even uh, education from school systems to to get more overhead door technicians and it, right now it's insane. There's no labor. Everybody's just paying and paying and paying more. So we've implemented training now for apprentice training and then kind of examinations for them to get to lead hand positions and, and grow in their careers. And if we had that five years ago, 10 years ago, again, we'd be that go-to company for everybody in our industry. They'd want to work because they're going to, their skill sets are constantly going to be growing. And for us, uh, we'd constantly be having the best workforce, um, by training uh, from the ground level up. And I'm looking forward to what's going to come from that. Uh, It'd just be amazing if we had that before.
1: So I love that you brought that up. And it's something I've observed for many, many years is when there are swings in the labor market, leadership teams that take a long-term view of solving the issue at the root versus we need more skilled labor that are. 10 to 12 years on the job and trying to solve that immediate problem, win the game. There's no question about it that if you can't find it, you need to learn how to grow it. And I'd rather see a team solve the issue over the next three to five years with a long-term initiative than complain about it every third year when it becomes a pressing problem again. So kudos to you for taking that long-term approach
0: the other thing we saw with that is uh, when we try to chase other technicians in the industry uh, they often don't meet our core values they often have their own set of rules that they've grown up with with other organizations that what we're really trying to do with our apprentices is if you have the values we can teach you the rest That's and right. we can really teach you to become the best overhead door technicians here as long as you represent what we represent right okay?
1: yeah. Yeah, hire for values and attitude and, and train them the skills. The the opposite yeah. rarely works, rarely yeah. works. Yeah, really, really well said. Um, Zach, last question for the listener really is, as you're working every day to be your best as a leader, if I asked you to distill an important lesson you've learned down to one piece of advice to a growing leader, what would it be?
0: Listen, 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 and observe, observe, observe. I've learned so much from listening to my teammates and accepting feedback that I probably didn't like at the time, but it's really given me a lot of uh, stride in my growth by actually slowing my pride a little bit and taking some of that stuff in and observing the leaders. Even my good leaders that I've had, there's areas there that, uh, you know, they taught me what I don't want to be because that's not what I want to be represented to. Um, so by just observing good leaders, uh, you'll learn the good and the bad and uh, you'll kind of be able to mold your own way from there.
1: Mm-hmm. Great piece of advice. Couldn't agree with you more. I'm I'm glad you started with the word listen. All right. Before I let you go, I just want to ask you to share with the listener where they can learn more about Wilcox Stores and about you uh, if they'd like to do so.
0: Yeah. So I'm on LinkedIn. Um, Zach Stewart. If you look up Zach Stewart Wilcox Store, you'll be able to find me. And at WilcoxStore.com, we have all of our video libraries there. We have uh, all the initiatives that we've been talking about, our environmental initiatives and diversity initiatives. There's a bunch of web pages on everything that we do there.
1: Great. Thank you. A genuine pleasure spending time with you today. Super grateful for your willingness to be on the podcast today. Excited about what you're doing and wish you nothing but success in the future. I'll just ask the listener to join me in saying thank you, And if you enjoyed today's episode as much as i did please go on itunes and put in a review and let us know that we're making a difference in your life as you work to become your best as an eos leader thank you thank you if you're running your business on eos you know we value open and honest feedback so please open up your podcasting app and leave us a review let us know if there's anything we can do to make the podcast better or help you along on your own entrepreneurial leadership journey.